Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Jesus, come on, this is that day. This is that day. It's undeniable, it's irrefutable, it's a fact. And here we are 2,000 years later, and he's still doing what he said he was going to do. Here we are 2,000 years later, he's still breaking the chains of addiction, releasing the oppressed, lifting up oppression, anxiety. He's healing with physical bodies. He, we've got testimonies in this house, left and right. Just look at your neighbor and tell him, he lives. He lives. He lives. Hallelujah. If y'all, if y'all kind of new to this, hallelujah, that's, that's kind of like one of those Christianese words. It's, it, it, it actually comes from Hebrew. Halal is all praise. Hallelujah, Yah, Yahweh, Jehovah, all praise unto God. And so hallelujah is a one word declaration that we can raise up the highest praise unto our God. So when you hear somebody say hallelujah, it's because they know the king. They know the king. My name is Pastor Rob. I'm the senior pastor here at the Peak Community Church. I just want to welcome you worshiping with us this morning. Um, my wife and I, uh, we just uh, heard the call and answered it to come and, and plant a young, vibrant, contemporary, culturally relevant, life-giving church that would stand on the full counsel of God, his word. Amen. And so we are a Bible-believing, very exciting church. The Holy Spirit is still moving. The giver of gifts is still on giving. Amen. And so I just want to welcome you to the Peak family. If you, this is your first time, you, you enter as a guest, but when you leave here, you leave as family. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Um, we can't really appreciate today if we don't understand yesterday. Huh? I mean, that's just, you know, you, you can't appreciate today unless you understand yesterday. And I got to tell you that, you know, this day, this celebration, the, the cause, the need of this celebration took place so many thousands of form and void. When God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness uh, uh, was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. In Genesis, we're given this creation account, and we know that God then created man in his own image and in his own likeness. Chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us therefore create man in our image and in our likeness. And he created man. And out of that one unit, this creation, then he turned around and and put a deep sleep to fall upon him. And then from the one, he pulled out and created two, man and woman. How awesome is that? Adam and Eve. Now, you know that the one, man himself, is not the full image and likeness of God. The woman herself, she's not the full image and the likeness of God. 
But when the man and the woman can come through the, the, the holy sanctity of marriage, the, the, the two become one flesh again. And when you start vibing with your wife or your husband, one spirit, one mind, one accord, when you invite God to come and be the king over your lives and you're both walking in obedience, in sync, in unison with each other. How many, how many, how many people know that it takes time for that level of intimacy to be there? Those of y'all who've been married for a while, you know what I'm talking about because you don't even need to speak. Sometimes you could just walk into, a, walk into a room and just look at your spouse and like you already know, right? Like who needs to talk? There's communication without words. You, you become one spirit. Now, now, when you begin to operate, when, when you can get to that level of intimacy, now you're moving and you're looking like the image and the life. Specific mandate. He, he put them at the edge of the garden. He said, tend and cultivate, nurture you, you, you To be fruitful and multiply, give you rule and dominion over all of the earth, all of the trees, all of the birds. In fact, you named them by name. He gave them all rule and then deception right the, that 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 snake that slithering serpent in the garden coming in and planting uh, thoughts of deception and all of a sudden it, it really it could make one wise and it's good to the fruit surely god has not said you would not die and there was the fall, and, and sin entered, and corruption ensued, lust, and all sorts of sexual perversion was birthed, and, and, and words of hatred towards one another. There was a division, that unity that was once together was now divided, and that image and that likeness of God was now corrupted. All sorts of injustices some people say, man, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty just person. Have you ever held someone guilty of something that you're guilty of? Injustice is birth. Come on, can I keep it real this morning, family? Can I keep it real? The, the, these are the struggles that, that, that stepped into the flesh. Thievery and lying, deception, doubt, and fear gripping the heart of his creation. How many people know that that's real today? Huh? Me on my best day with my best efforts, I, I still fall short. The things that, that, that I don't want to do, I have this propensity of always finding my way of doing them. And the things that I, I want to do, there's this struggle of me being able to, to get my hands upon that plow and do them. Huh? The, the Bible says that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. And there's this internal struggle. What is the answer to this solution? Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves to cover themselves. They made coverings for themselves. Because of the shame, because of guilt, they were now naked in front of each other. Low self-esteem. They, they hid themselves from the presence of God. And they also hid themselves from the presence of each other. Mm. 
Come on. And family, how many people know that, that those that are dealing with sin and, and have this affliction, we're, we're still trying to do this today? We're still trying to cover up our sins? Huh? Come on, we, 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 we want to we wanna cover it up. And so we, we cover this up with some Gucci and some Louis Vuitton. Huh? How about, how about covering it up with, with what we drive, the BMWs and then Mercedes and, and watches and accessories and all of the things that we can to just cover up the, the, the emptiness that we carry inside. Modern day fig leaves. Just trying to cover them up. Come on. But can man really hide or cover his sins? I mean, really. All you got to do is, the tree is known by the fruit it produces. Huh? Just take a look. Stay around that tree for a little while. See what some of those fruits are that it produces. We, we look at some of the symptoms. Aggression. Addiction, anxiety, having a critical spirit. Can you believe she did the, the, the destructive behavior patterns? You can't hide. You can't hide. As much as you try to hide, you can't hide. That's why a lot of times when I go, uh, uh, I have the opportunity to go in with, with, with Gino into prison ministry, I, I can look at these guys and, and show you can't hide. You can't hide before a God that knows all, sees all. You, there's no mountain that you can't climb. And there's no valley so deep that you can hide from his presence. So why do we struggle? I want to cover all of this thing up. But man can't make his own coverings. Man can't cover his own sins. And so an innocent animal was sacrificed to provide garments that would provide an appropriate covering for man. See, sin has wages. There's a debt that needs to be placed. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So, so the innocent had to die for the guilty. There was a shedding of blood. There was an animal that was killed and it was sacrificed and they created a covering. See, See, the Bible says that life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. And so there had to have been shed blood in order to bring forth justice. Genesis 3.21, when God came up on the scene, Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking Adam where his geographical location was. He was, he was speaking about Adam's heart, his heart, his head. Where's your head at? Where you at? We used to vibe. We were on the same page. All of a sudden, we're not on the same page anymore. Where, where are you at, dog? Come on, talk to me. And so in Genesis 3.21, the Bible says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Later on in the not-so-distant future, God begins to, pre to paint this picture. See, because everything that God did, he already foreordained. He already said what he was going to do before he actually did it. This is how we know he is God. Huh? There is no other God unto you like me that will tell you the end is the beginning and the beginning as the end. 
And so he began to provide these shadows and these types to create an image of what he was planning, what he will do. Remember, remember as I shared this passage of scripture that this was a, an activity, this was something that happened 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus. I'm going to share with you a story of something that took place, a historical event that took place 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus. In the, 22nd, in the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, starting in the first verse. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. This is the child of promise now. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard the voice of the Lord come to me and I got to sacrifice my son, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be questioning that. Can I be real? I mean, I know I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be, you know, holy and all that. Can I just be real and transparent with you? I'm just another sinner pointing towards the Savior. I'm keeping it real. I love my son. To give up my son? But the Bible says that early the next morning, look at his response. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, somebody say the third day. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. Check this out. And he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went together Isaac spoke up. God loves children that will speak up. And he said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said to him. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He, he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, 
on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Family, I wish I had the time this morning to uncover the intricate details of God's plan. Remember, this was written 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. And, and, and I would like to just point out that how in this story God was displaying what one day he would do at Calvary. I'd like to tell you, family, this morning on how symbolic that donkey was. Uh, that, that one day he would be seen through the prophet of Zechariah 9. Or, or how Abraham had two servants and one day God's Messiah would be between two thieves. Or, or, or how about Abraham on the third day saw God's place for sacrifice and how one day Jesus would bring forth life. On that third day. Whew. How about, how about the wood for the sacrifice was placed upon Isaac to carry? And how one day Jesus would carry his wood in the form of a cross for his sacrifice of himself. How I found, but Jesus went willingly. How Abraham arranged the wood for the burnt offering and how Roman soldiers would one day arrange the wood in the form of that cross. Or better yet, how God himself provided the lamb for Abraham. And how one day, one day, he would be called Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide a lamb that takes away the sins of the world one day. I wish I had the time this morning to show you how God had all of these things, all of these events already sovereignly orchestrated before the foundations of the world were even laid. How he already knew one day he would provide this answer, this solution. You know, we could take a casual stroll through the book of Psalms. How many people like the book of Psalms? Huh? The songs of David, of the sons of Korah, these, these declarations of, 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 of just, you know, testament and faith. But within these declarations are, are also prophetic utterances of things that were to come. Can, probably about close to 50 of them. Can, can I just pull out seven of them for you this morning? I figured seven would be an appropriate number because it's the number of completion. And I don't want to be preaching till two o'clock this afternoon. Although I'd be happy to, Lord. You know, it was already portrayed and declared that Jesus would be called the Son of God. Did you know that? Psalm chapter 2 verse 7 says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Go about 700 years into the future. Matthew chapter 3 verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. How many people know that bad company corrupts good morals? Birds of a feather flock to... You better watch out who you hang out with. Do you know that Jesus already declared... In the scriptures, who would betray him? The 41st Psalm, verse 9 says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, I opened myself up, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. 
Luke twenty two forty seven. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude. And he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to him, Jesus, to kiss him. The kiss of betrayal. This is an odd one. Who would have thought? You know, you know the, the outer garments uh, uh, were one piece. They had no seams on it. It, was, uh, uh, it cost a lot of money. And, you know, they took that outer garment off of Jesus, right? Who would have thought? I mean, this is just one of those prophecies that are so peculiar. Uh, 69th chapter, 20, uh, 22nd chapter, 16th verse. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. In Matthew 27, 35, then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was what was spoken by the prophet. How about, how about Roman, Roman Empire didn't even exist. Crucifixion wasn't a form of capital punishment. We're talking about 700 years before the empire was even in existence. And yet in the 22nd Psalm, it says, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And yet in the gospel of John, 700 years later, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and look into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe his hands and his feet being pierced in crucifixion. Vinegar and gall. Like who drinks vinegar? But yet 700 years before his birth in the 34th Psalm, it says he guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Huh? Did you know that it was part of the Roman process of crucifixion? When they crucified a, 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 a thief, uh, anyone of capital punishment, and they crucified him on the cross. Once, once the person had died, what they would do is they'd go around and with a bat, with a, with, with a piece of lumber, they would break the knees of the person because they would, they would hang. And when you broke the knees, then at that moment, they dropped. And all of the liquid would fill the lungs. And, and so they would know beyond the doubt that the person has died. But in the 19th chapter of John, it says, Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, fulfilling a prophetic utterance of 700 years prior. Or the fact that he would be forsaken by God. God, forsaken by God. Could you believe that? Could you imagine? Wrap your head around that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groanings. And there he was upon the cross on Good Friday. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Last but not least, the 16th Psalm gave us a hope. Something to look towards. Something to aspire for. Something to be uh, uh, alert for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. 
And in the 28th chapter in the 7th verse of the gospel according to Matthew, the Bible says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. That's only seven. There's over 40 prophetic utterances displaying, dictating. Come on, these are writers from, from different times, different regions, and different places, all writing at different times. And yet, everything that they write tells the same story. It's intertwined, and God is declaring that I am sovereign, and I am declaring to you the end is the beginning, and the beginning as the end. Hallelujah. There's this struggle that we have, this internal fight. And I'm telling you that God, through his resurrection power, defeating the riddle of the grave, I'm telling you that he, he has given us the solution and the answer. What's the ailment? What's the ailment? Fear that grips you? Sin? The wages of sin is death? Death gripping us? The grave could not keep him and death could not hold him. I'm going to be afraid of death. Hallelujah. The Bible says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Family, God had a perfect plan of salvation. What the Old Testament saints prophesied about, what, what, what they wrote about, they couldn't even dream about. We're living it today. That we have the opportunity to accept the free gift of eternal life by declaring Jesus Christ as our King. That, that we would... Allow him to take his blood substitutionary for, for my sins. I don't know about you, family. I know, I, I, know, I know what I'm deserving of. I know what I'm deserving of. The damage that I've done, the things that I've spoken, the thoughts that I've had. Come on, can, can, can I keep it real? I walked for years and years trying to put shade on my life, trying to twist things around, just, 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 just double life, this double standard, huh? Just doing what I wanted to do. King baby syndrome. I want what I want, when I want, when I want it, huh? Because this is what life is. You're supposed to be independent. You're supposed to do it uh, alone. You don't need nobody else. All of those are lies from the pit of hell. We are created for community, huh? What I can't do alone, I can assure you we could do it together, you put your back to it, I'll put my back to it. I guarantee you we do it together. We can accomplish it. And that's what Jesus came to do. That through his work, his vicarious death upon that cross, that we can become one family, one entity, one mind, one spirit, one accord operating together. And this is how you'll know them. By the love that they have for one another. That they no longer fear death. I don't fear death. I don't fear the person who could destroy this body. I'd rather, I'd rather fear the one that could destroy my body and my soul. Huh? I know how twisted. I know how lost. I know how empty I was in that pit. That miry clay. Filthy. Lost. Blind. And one day. 
One day he came and he met me. He trains me and, and gave me life. Gave me life. What I couldn't do by following the list of do's and don'ts and, and trying to be good. Yo, he went into my heart and he made me good. All of our past, present, and future sins have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, of God's eternal Lamb. Think about the weight of the cross. How, how heavy must have that cross been? He's, been? he's been, not only all of the sins that transpired before the, the, from the fall of man, but, but all of the sins that transpired from that cross on forward. Everything that is done in corruption, God is able to make holy. To make righteous out of the unrighteous. We're going to get ready to have communion together, this family. But I just want to share this one quick video with you. The weight of the cross. Every crime against humanity. Every genocide. Every unspeakable act of oppression and tyranny. Every act of terrorism. Every starving nation ignored. Every drop of martyred blood. Every orphan and widow abandoned. Every stranger in need passed by. Every deviant and perverse lifestyle. Every marriage torn asunder. Every word uttered in hate. Every injustice. Every theft, every grudge, every bitterness, every lust, every fear, every lie, every doubt, every one. Oh, the strength of the one who bears it. like to invite the ushers to come up to the front and we're going to prepare to partake in communion communion is having a union in common communion see what I did there it's a union in common it's communion it's us acknowledging and recognizing that Jesus Christ laid himself down as our sacrificial lamb. That he is the bread of life out of the mouth of God. That his body was broken. That by his stripes we have been healed. And that by the blood that he shed, the life is in the blood. Would you appropriate that blood over your sins this morning? Whatever the weight, whatever the burden you carry, we can place it upon the cross this morning.
He came that we may be free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. My God. Joy restored. Life with purpose and intentionality. Grab the bull by the horns this morning, family. The king lives. And he lives in you. This is a time and a moment of reflection. A time and a moment where we just confront ourselves. Where have we fallen short of God's holiness? You know, sin means uh, missing the mark. You know, you try to hit the target, it's a bullseye. And, and if you miss that bullseye, that's what sin is. It's, it's missing the mark. I'm shooting for this, but, but I'm coming short. I, I didn't make it. And God's holiness is that standard. That is the bullseye. There's not a one of us family, not a one of us in this room that can make that mark. Jesus came so that where we fall short, he can give us that extra push. He can cover the shortcomings. So I'm asking you, being completely transparent this morning, what thoughts have you had that are not pleasing to him? What have you entertained in your mind, thoughts or words that, that, that pop in? And, and you know they may not be righteous. You know that they don't align themselves with God, but yet you allowed it. You gave it space. You, you, you let the play button run in your mind. And you played it out. You know those thoughts that we think that do not line up? God said that thou, thou shalt not commit murder. But Jesus said, Assuredly I say unto you, if you have hatred in your heart, you have already committed murder. See, Jesus didn't come to bring it down. He, he raised the standard. Jesus raised the standard to actual holiness. And he said, I know that you don't have it within yourself to live this thing out. But if you apply my blood in your life, if you allow me to come and cover, be your covering, if you put on Christ, you know, he is the tunic of skin that God provided. He is that lamb. We don't need to be clothed with Gucci and Louis. We need to be clothed with Jesus. That his righteousness would be our covering. Come on now. People automatically would turn around. What happened? You're moving a little differently. What's going on? Jesus came into my heart transformed me removed all of my hidden motives all of those secret agendas whether in thought or deed sins of omission and sins of commission doing the things that I'm not supposed to do and how about not doing the things that I know I should be doing 
You know, that sin before God as well. I'm here to tell you that today, this day, God's grace is here. And you can take all of your burdens. You can take all of your doubt. You can take all of your pain. And now lay it upon his cross. He'll take the debt that you owe. And he'll stamp it paid in full. And set you free. From that burden and from that guilt. Amen. Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.